I'm going to invite you to stand as we read God's word together. Psalm 19, uh, just the first uh, 11 verses here. As um, I am joining in on the study in Psalms, this series on the Psalms during the summer season, and uh, the scripture says here, this is a Psalm of David, beginning in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament, that's the vast expanse of the heavens, the, fa- the vast expanse of the skies, shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of this chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. It, it, its rising is from one end to the, of heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Let's pray together again. Father, bless this time around your word. Lord, thank you for ears that hear and hearts that embrace, and Lord, for lives that are willing to put into practice the teachings of your text today. God, I pray that you would meet with us, and I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to respond in any way that you call us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. While you're being seated, let me just uh, share with you a couple of thoughts. First of all, I'm sharing a message that I've simply called Hearing God's Voice. Hearing God's Voice. You know, I've always been impressed with people who can speak more than one language fluently. Does that, does that amaze you? When I hear somebody, you know, started rambling on another language, it's like, goodness gracious, how, how does a person get to do that? I mean, I've got a little bit of Mexican restaurant Spanish. Can I get a witness from somebody? Amen. And, you know, we've traveled around, done some mission work, so I've got a few phrases of, you know, uh, Portuguese. And, and uh, here's what I've noticed. Even when you can't speak the language very well, the folks uh, in whatever culture or country you're trying to speak, they're always grateful for your attempt. They laugh at you, but they're grateful for the, for the attempt. The Bible says that God speaks to us, listen to this, in every language. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I love this text so much when, when uh, Brother Chuck and I were having lunch together not long ago here in town. Uh, he was telling me about this series. He said, you don't have to, but if you want to, just pick out your favorite psalm. And so uh, I actually picked out Psalm 1, but he said, no, that's mine, last Sunday, so I get it. <laughs> I, I yielded to the pastor, right? And so I, I said, what about Psalm 19? And I, I just want to ask you this question today around this text. How can we hear God's voice? And this passage reminds us that God is speaking to us in many ways and in multiple levels all the time. The problem is not the speaking or the voice of God, but the problem is on the the, the, the hearer's part, the listening of our ears sometimes. Uh, let, let's just look at what King David says here about the variety of ways that we can hear God's voice. And the very first way that we are reminded of how to hear God's voice is simply, as he has put it, the clear voice of God in the skies. When he, when he talks about creation, uh, l- listen to it again. Uh, there in, in verse number 19, verse 1, the heavens declare 
There's this declaration, there's this proclamation, there's this voice sounding out from the heavens, the voice of God, and the clear voice shows up in, the, in his handiwork, the skies, the, uh, the, the firmament is called. And I want you to notice two or three things about this particular way that God speaks to us, how he speaks to us through creation or through the skies. First of all, that is an undeniable message. Listen to what it says again. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, the vast expanse shows his handiwork. Here's, here's, what, here's what I want you to take away from that. When you see something as beautiful as the creation of the world or the creation of the universe for that matter, it absolutely screams the message that there is a creator. When you see something of such beautiful design and such uh, incredible um, intricacy and extravagance and, and uh, the beauty of all that we behold. When you see that design, it, it screams out loudly the message. There is a designer who put it all together. Whenever there's a creation, there must be a creator. Whenever there's design, there must be a designer. Um, recently, we were joining together with other Southern Baptists for our convention, our annual meeting over in Anaheim, California. By the way, a very beautiful part of our country. Southern California, I would take the temperature every day here in the summer. Amen. Brother Chuck and I, we, we got to see each other there as well. And, and uh, Rhonda and I decided that we were going to practice something that's kind of new for us. Rather than renting a car in uh, Los Angeles and try to drive in that crazy traffic, we decided we were going to become Uber champs. You know what an Uber is? Can I, somebody, yep, so I've got the app on my phone, we called up the Uber, it arrived safely, and the very first ride that we caught from the airport over to the convention center hotel was a young man who was driving a brand new, very expensive, very nice Tesla. And I mean, it was, it was, it was a good ride. I mean, we, had a, we had a great time. And, and so I just said to the young guy driving, I said, man, this is a nice car. And, and from the moment I said that till the time we ended up at our hotel, he was telling us all the features about this wonderful car. He said, e this car even drives itself. And I said, well, don't do that. You just, keep, you just keep your hands on the wheel. And he was telling us about the engine and how fast it was and all these technical things. And, 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 and I was just thinking about that moment. Um, what if that young man driving that Tesla had told us, you know, it was an amazing thing. There was a tornado that came through town here and it hit a, it hit a junkyard. And out of, that, out of that tornado's terrific, you know, tearing up that junkyard, this Tesla showed up on my front porch, on my front doorstep. Well, we would have thought, the thing that you're thinking, that's nonsense, that's, that's crazy, and yet we, we live in a world where people say such foolish things. The Big Bang. You know, I, I, I believe the Bible. I believe that, um, that the Scripture says that God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke, and there was a Big Bang, and everything was, you know, formed together according to his design. Amen. That's the Big Bang. When God speaks, there's a Big Bang that goes on. In fact, Psalm 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Only a fool would believe something of that kind of a story of, of uh, just circumstance and chaos that comes beautiful creation. Not only is it an undeniable message, it is an unchanging message. Listen to verse 2. Day unto day, every single day, the creation speaks. It utters speech, and night unto night, it reveals knowledge. King David would say this in another beautiful psalm, Psalm chapter 8. I love this, these verses, verses 1 through, uh, ver verse 1, and then verses 3 through 4. Listen to it. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, 
who have set your glory above the heavens. And then David would say this, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, then, then he asked the question, what is man? He, he, he would say it like this, who am I that you would even know my name, that you would even acknowledge me? What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visited him? Can I just say to you today, every once in a while, in our very busy and crazy world with, uh, you know, seven going on eight billion people on this planet, every once in a while we can feel a little intimidated by the vastness of it all. But I just want to remind you today, somebody needs to hear this, God in heaven who created the heavens and the earth, he knows your name. And he knows what you need today. He knows where you are. He knows what's going on in your life. And not only does he know your name and does he know all about us, but he cares deeply for you. The, the, the fact that God, who created everything, looks down and loves you individually, loves us, loves us his, as the crown of his creation. I just wanted to remind you of that today. Back when I was growing up as a, as a young boy, one of my favorite places to go and favorite uh, times of the year was in the summertime. We had the privilege to spend um, some vacation down on the farm with my grandparents. My, my dad's mom and dad, Papa Sinkfield, Papa and Mama Sinkfield, lived down in the Mississippi Delta. They lived in Tallahatchie County. He was a cotton farmer and had a wonderful spread of land. Right across the street was the Tallahatchie River. It was a mecca for boys to get into trouble. Amen. We just had so much fun. The big barn to climb up in the loft. and it just, we, we just had a wonderful time do you know if you ever been down to the delta or some parts of our country that are rural when the when the sun goes down in the delta brothers it gets dark serious dark amen i mean there are no city lights there's no street lights i mean i don't even think they have uh you know lightning bugs down there it's just it's just dark dark and and so papa sinkfield the 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 ritual was that we would get in the bed and he would come into the bedrooms, my cousins and I, my brothers and I, and uh, he, he, would, uh, he would bring this thing, uh, a spray can with a, with a lever on it. And I believe that I saw on that lever, he said, boys, cover up for a moment, cover up for a moment. But there was a skull and crossbones on that thing that he was, mosquito spray, right? You know what that was? That's why we have respiratory issues to this day. But when, listen, when he turned off the light, brothers, you better, you better know where you are because it got really, really dark. And every once in a while, we would sneak out on the front porch or we would, we would um, look up into the heavens out the window. And you know when it's dark out in the country like that, you can just see forever. And, and the stars and the beauty of it all, the vastness of God's creation, it, it just simply reminds us. And every once in a while in that, that old Mississippi Delta, every once in a while the storms would come rolling through. I mean, uh, even in the daytime, the afternoon, the, uh, the skies would get dark and the lightning would start to, you know, to crackle and, and the thunder would begin to roll. And uh, we, always, we always kind of were worried about when storms came because my, my, my Papa Singfield, he was scared to death of a storm. Uh, the, the old barn was about halfway, you know, decimated by a tornado that came through years ago, decades earlier. And uh, he built a storm house, a storm shelter down behind uh, another barn and down in the dirt. We used to play in there as little boys. And it was a, it was a scary place, spiders, snakes, all that stuff. But it didn't matter if it was three o'clock in the morning, if the storm came, Papa Sinkfield was getting you up and you were going to the storm shelter. Amen. Can I get a witness from somebody? I got close to Jesus down in that storm shelter on more than, on more than one occasion. It reminds me of the song. Remember it? The song by the title of How Great Thou Art, O Lord My God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, 
I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul. Does your, has, has your soul been singing lately of how great, how majestic, how wonderful, how vast? So, so the undeniable message, the unchanging message, you notice it's a, it's a universal message, the voice of God from the skies. In verses 3 and 4, there is no speech or language anywhere where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth. And so, no person on the planet, no person in history past or in the, in the future can ever say, quote, I have never heard God's voice because creation alone is a clear witness. Creation alone is a clear witness. Let me remind you of a a very important New Testament text, Romans chapter 1. If you're turning in your Bibles or opening it up there in your, in your, uh, uh, with your uh, device, listen to this. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse number 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Somebody asked the question from time to time, yeah, but what about those innocent people out there on the island that have never heard? You know, we do believe in sending missionaries with the good news of the gospel everywhere, and especially among those people groups that do not have a, a gospel witness or a printed scripture in their own language. But can I just say as a reminder of what the text teaches us, what the Bible uh, teaches us, there is no such thing as an innocent person on any island. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm reminded today that the Bible has been very clear that God has given them a witness of creation. And what's happened, what happened in the book of Romans is happening today, that men have rejected him and refused to trust in him. And I just remind you that all have sinned, and Jesus would say that they are already condemned. I didn't come to condemn the world, John chapter 3, but the world is already condemned. I want you to notice not only the clear voice of God in the skies, notice secondly the consistent voice of God in the scriptures. Verses seven through nine in this psalm um, is a rehearsal of the, of the beauty and the bounty that is ours, uh, the consistent voice of God in the scripture. In, in these three verses, seven, eight, nine, there are three sets of poetic Hebrew phrases that are used, and they read like a song. In fact, when Rhonda and I were doing student ministry down in uh, Mississippi and then later in, in Central Florida, um, I used to play the guitar and sing, and, and our little group of uh, college students would meet in our home, and we would sing these verses. Um, it, 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 just beautiful, beautiful, catchy uh, little melody that goes with them. But, but, but listen to them again. And, and just, just, just be reminded of, of these three phrases and their couplets. They, um, the, the first two are found in verse 7. Uh, the, about God's word, it says, it is perfect and it restores us. God's word is perfect and it restores us. That's what the language means. It converts the soul. It changes and transforms. It refreshes and heals us. Can I just say something? God's word changes people's lives 
It has in the past, it will in the future, it does today. Not only that, but the scripture says it is sure in its testimony and it makes us wise. If you want to be a a bright person, a brilliant person, then you hide God's word in your heart. You know what God's word says. You follow the teaching, the clear truth of God's word and and, uh, the Bible says that you will become a wise person. The second couplet of this Hebrew poetry, it says uh, God's word is right and it causes us to rejoice. It will never take us down the wrong path if you will follow God's word you're going to get home safely. It's going to lead you in the right ways and the right places. The second part of that phrase, it is pure and it enlightens us. It is undiluted, unpolluted from worldly philosophies. And by the way, um, thank the Lord, and your, your pastor has been on the front lines of uh, helping to encourage this, um, to, to not only be reminded that the scripture um, is true and trustworthy, uh, that it is infallible and inspired by the, by the, by the hand of God, the spirit of God, but also the, the gospel, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is sufficient for everything that we need. We don't need to add any other worldly philosophy, the Bible and something else. The Bible is sufficient. It deals with all of our issues in life and practice. It helps us to love one another. It helps us to love all people. It helps us to treat people the way that they ought to be treated. It, it, it helps us to understand uh, what are the important issues in life. The great commandments, to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, body, strength, and to love God, uh, and, you know, to, to love God with all of your heart, mind, body, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the great commandments. And the great commission to, to make disciples as we go into all the world. To share the good news of the gospel with everybody, everywhere, all the time. This is, this is the, these are the, uh, the consistent voice of God in the scriptures. And then the verse 9, it brings respect and reverence, and it, is all, and it always endures. This fear of the Lord, it never fails, never fades. It finishes there by saying it is true and always trustworthy. You can trust it, you can live it, and I know that you love it. God's word is consistent in its content and in its character. A couple of the key verses around uh, to, to just kind of remind you of something that you already know. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, I love this, and I know you've heard these verses plenty of times here at Cairo First Baptist. Listen to it again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen to this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Can I say one thing? Just as a deep appreciation of mine for your pastor, your, pra- your pastor loves God's Word. You can't be around very, very long with Brother Chuck, but he's not talking about preaching. I mean, he loves to preach. He loves, he loves you. He loves this church. He is a preacher of the, of the gospel. He is a Bible preacher and teacher. And what a, what a blessing you have to, to have a shepherd that, that opens up his Bible every week. And, and I'm reminded from time to time that there are churches or so-called churches around, they never hear their pastor say, open your Bible. They hear a story. They, they have a, a couple of, you know, uh, insightful illustrations, and maybe they close with a verse of Scripture. But your, your, your pastor does it right. He teaches every, every week 
all the time, directly from the truth of God's word. And, and never take that for granted. You always, all, always ought to say thank you, God, for our pastor who loves your word. I want you to notice the third theme that comes out here. Not only the clear voice of God from the skies and the consistent voice of God from the scriptures, but notice the convicting voice of God in the soul. The Bible speaks not just to the mind of a man or to the emotions, but it speaks much deeper than that. It carries down into the depths of our soul. So that King David would say after, after making these statements in, in Psalm chapter 19, he would, he would sing out as if it were the, uh, the chorus of this great, great song that he's been singing here uh, in verses 10 and 11. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. These two verses speak of the power of God's word to change the desires of our hearts and minds and lives. And it speaks of God's word to have the power to change the decisions that we make. Notice these three things, uh, three or four things that uh, the scripture here mentions. First of all, God's word enriches us. God's word brings value to us. He says it's worth more than gold and much fine gold. It speaks of the, 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 the spiritual profit of the word of God. But, but then it also talks about the spiritual pleasure. Listen to it. God's word not only enriches us, but God's word satisfies us. I'm telling you that the word of God, the promises of God, the truth of God through his word is sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. You know, as we get... Uh, older and further along in our faith. And one of the things that we, that we recognize is that God's word is such a, such a beautiful, sweet gift. Don't you, don't you love to hear the scripture? Don't you love to read the scripture? Don't you love to sing the scripture? It, it, it's that which enriches us and satisfies us, but also the Bible says that God's word warns us. By them is thy servant warned. It, it, it brings correction and clear direction to our lives. It, it's, a, it's a blinking yellow and sometimes a blinking red light that, that brings uh, a wealth of, of wisdom because of the warning of God's word. And then the Bible says that God's word rewards us. I mean, it, there, there, are some, there are some great gifts that come. In keeping of them, there is great reward. The writer James said it like this. Hey, listen, it's not enough. It's never enough just to be a hearer of the word. What do you got to do? Well, you have, to, you have to be a doer of the word. Jesus, master teacher, master illustrator, the close of the great Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, gave this illustration and I believe this word of warning. Here, here's what he said. The wise man is one who not only hears my word, but does what I say. He is like a man who built his house on the rock. He dug deep, he worked hard, he laid a foundation, and he, and he put his house solid on the rock. It's a wise man. But the foolish man is one who hears my word but doesn't do what I say. He is like the, the man who built his house on the sand. And you know the story. And Jesus in this illustration said there's a storm that came. The rains fell, the winds blew, the floods came up, and uh, the foolish man's house was completely and utterly destroyed. Brothers and sisters, I want to say to you, there's no greater foundation 
than the hearing and the doing of God's word. It's one thing to hear, it's another thing to do. Let's do both, amen. And so we see here the, convinced, the convicting voice of God down in the depths of our soul. And then last, I just want to remind you of something I've simply called the compelling voice of God in the Savior. I believe the whole Bible is about Jesus. Do you believe that? The whole Bible is about Jesus. I want to read this New Testament passage, you know, well, John the writer in his gospel said something about Jesus that's very distinct and very unique, unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew and Luke, of course, who dealt with a birth narrative and Jesus' birth was this way, Matthew and Luke. And then John just, rather Mark, just picks up right in the middle of his ministry, came preaching and teaching and healing. But John goes way back, and you know this. Listen to it in John chapter 1. In the beginning, he does pretty far back. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Down in verse 14, listen to this. And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to remind you that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what John the writer said. Uh, Sometimes the uh, Pharisees or others uh, who were hearing Jesus teach, they would say, Show us the Father. And, And Jesus would say, When you've seen me. You've seen the Father. Jesus is God who wrapped himself in the human flesh, and he lived with us for a while. He tabernacled. He dwelt among us. He he lived a sinless, perfect life. He died for our sins. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He rose again, and brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming again. I mean, the story is continuing on, and so we're reminded uh, of what Jesus said to the Pharisees when, when, they were, uh, when they were confronting him about his authority. In John chapter 5 and verse 39, he would say this, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. Now, when he was talking about searching the scriptures, what scriptures was he, what did he have in mind? He had the Old Testament in mind. He had the law and the prophets, basically, is what they were, what they were looking into, and the history of, of Israel. These scriptures that you're searching, if you look hard enough, deep enough, you're going to see me there. Jesus is the subject matter, the primary character, the primary theme of all the Bible. In fact, uh, listen to Jesus' own words when he said it on the road to Emmaus. Remember that? Luke chapter 24 and verse 27. Those uh, unsuspecting, grieving disciples, they, they, they were walking away from all that had happened in Jerusalem and they they found this, they thought it was a stranger. But the scripture says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And I want to say it one more time. Brothers and sisters, the whole Bible is about Jesus. Don't miss Jesus in Genesis. Don't miss Jesus when the father confronted Adam and Eve, and, and because of their guilt, the innocent died for the guilty. I, I don't want you to miss the, uh, the picture of Jesus in Genesis chapter 22 when Abram and Isaac went up to the mountain and, and there was a substitute for the son. 
there at Mount Moriah. And on and on, Exodus chapter 12, the Passover, we could go on and on. The whole Bible is about Jesus. Uh, in fact, in Acts chapter 8, one of my favorite confrontations of gospel evangelism, um, the Spirit moved Stephen, remember that? I'm sorry, not Stephen, but Philip. He, he moved Philip to uh, a desert road down near Gaza, and there he found a, a wealthy Ethiopian in a chariot, and, um, and Philip joined himself to that chariot, and he heard him reading from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah. And uh, Philip just walked up and said, hey, sir, do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, how can I understand unless somebody shows me? There's a lot of people who are like that today. They need somebody to teach or talk or tell them about it. And the Bible says there in, in Acts chapter 8 that, that Philip started there and he went straight to Jesus. And I just remind you that wherever you are in your reading I want you to see Jesus everywhere. Dr. Adrian Rogers would say this. He said that, that you'll see him in broad daylight or somewhere near, nearby in the shadows. The whole Bible is about Jesus. Everywhere you look, you'll find uh, the, the beautiful portrayal or the picture of the Lord Jesus. There's a, there's a passage in the closing chapter of Matthew's Gospel um, Matthew chapter 28 that's always fascinated me this connection it's the resurrection story in Matthew and it's also the passage where we find the great commission Matthew 28 one of the one of the places and I just want to remind you of something that that that, um, that I've loved as I've learned this about that connection if you read read about it Matthew chapter 28 early on that Monday uh, that Sunday morning the women went to the to the tomb there had been uh, a miracle that happened. An angel met them there and said, he is not here, he's risen. And the angel said to the women, tell his disciples, tell his brothers to go to Galilee and he will meet them there. A little bit later as the ladies are leaving the tomb, the garden tomb, uh, none other than the resurrected Lord Jesus meets them there and they worship him. And he says to the ladies, go tell my brethren to meet me in Galilee. I, I've thought about that from time to time. What's the, what's the connection, the spiritual connection between the garden tomb of re resurrection and uh, the great commission there in Galilee? What's the connection there? Here's what I believe it is. I believe that the disciples with all of their confusion and all of their uh, fears and all of their failures during those moments, they had to come to a place where they fell back in love with Jesus. And the best place on the planet for them to do that was where it all began. It all began in Galilee. That's where the earthly ministry of Jesus happened. Where they first heard his voice, where they first dropped their nets, where they, where they, where they first said, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you, I'll, I'll serve you. anywhere. They, they first saw the miracles there. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever had a, a moment where you went back to your Galilee, that place where you first fell in love with Jesus? when you really believed, when you really understood what it meant to be a follower of Christ. That's, I think that's what that connection was all about. Uh, not terribly long ago, I was going through a box of old books, and I opened one of them up, and I, I found a treasure there on the top of that box. It was my boyhood Bible, the Bible that I'd gotten the summer that I had uh, come to know Christ as a 12-year-old boy, and my mom was so glad that I got saved. She bought me a Bible. My name was on the front of it, and, and I used that Bible all through my, my middle school, high school, and into my college years, and, and I, I, I came across it, and there it was with all my little handwritten notes and unremarkable sermons in that little Bible, and I, I thought about bringing it, but it's pretty fragile now, and in that Bible was a handwritten outline of a sermon that I preached when I was 15 years old, and it was that night that my father came to know Christ, and I pulled that little 
that little boyhood Bible out of that box, and I, I could feel the heat from it, Brother Sam. I, I, st- I remembered what it was like when I really trusted that, that the power was in the Word, that, that, that God's Word is enough. It's all we need. And I, I just want to remind you of that today. And one of the things that I've been asking folks to do in, in their um, embracing God's Word and falling back in love with Jesus is to get on our hearts what God has on his heart. And I want to ask you to do something as a part of our invitation today. Among other things, I have brought with me a little card and I do have permission from your pastor to do this it's called a harvest prayer reminder card it's just this little pretty much a blank piece of paper a little uh, card stock little card I've got them spread out all over the front of this beautiful sanctuary on the steps and I want to ask you this question here's the question who do you know that is near to you but far from God Somebody's face coming to mind, somebody's name coming to mind, maybe a son or a daughter, a brother, or sister. One of the things that I believe we're uh, needing desperately to do in our church culture is, is to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into the harvest. And I'm asking our churches in West Tennessee to begin to pray hard for lost family members, lost friends. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, as we enter into this time of decision, this time of uh, invitation, that if you're, if you're here today and you say, you know what, I know somebody that's near to me but far from God, and I, I'm going to commit to pray for them. I'm going to ask you to come down the front. Don't do anything, say anything, just pick up one of these little cards. Nobody's going to want this back. It's for you to write down that person's name or names on the card and then keep it with you. Tuck it in your Bible, put it in your your place of devotion or prayer, wherever, wherever you spend some time with the Lord, and just keep that with you and begin to pray for that, that loved one, that, that family member, that friend, that colleague, that coworker, that fellow student, that as far as you know, they're far from the Lord, and so you're going to pray for them. And this would be a great way to begin to, our, our summer together, to pray for those that, that, that are uh, in desperate need to come to the beauty of the Word of God, for them to hear and to begin to do what God's Word says. I'm going to ask you to bow with me right now, And I'm going to ask for our worship team and uh, the staff members who are designated to come down front. I'm going to ask you guys and ladies to come on down. And and, um, as the music begins to play in just a moment, and with your head bowed and your heart open, your head bowed but your heart open, I'm going to ask you, man, wouldn't this be a good day for you to fall fresh in love with God's Word? Fall fresh in love with the reading of it, doing your devotion times, fall fresh in love with Jesus, spending time with him, sharing the good news of the gospel with family members and friends. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and we're going to stand and begin to sing a song. As you do every week, you're going to have an opportunity to respond. And you may be here today, and you may be one of those who recently at, at a camp or recently in some, in some moment where you prayed and trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. This might be a great day for you to come and tell one of the staff members down front, I'm making public my decision to follow Christ. It might be that you're here today and your heart's been beating a long time about this, and, and you know that today is your day. And I want to encourage you with your head bowed but your heart open. If you've never trusted Jesus, why don't you make this your prayer right now? Something like this. Lord, I know that I'm not perfect. I'm I'm a person that's far from you. And Lord, I need you today. And Lord, today with all of my heart, I'm trusting Jesus. Come into my life, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Help me to live for you and love you for the rest of my life. And if that's your prayer today, please come 
this morning during this invitation time and tell one of these friends down front. You're here today as a guest, a great day, great time here at the beginning of summer to come join Kyreville First Baptist Church. I encourage you to come and let them know if you de- desire to do that and they'll help you in that process. But for sure, no, if, if no other decision is, is yours to make, why don't you come? After I pray, come get one of these prayer cards. Write somebody's name down on it. Begin to pray for them. You'll do that as well during the invitation. I'm going to pray right now and we're going to stand and sing. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is more than enough. It is far more than adequate to meet our needs. God, thank you that the word tells us how to live, how to love, how to be saved. Thank you, God, that the whole Bible is about Jesus. Help us to fall fresh in love with with the word and fall fresh in love with you. And Lord, for today's decisions, I pray, God, that you would grant the courage and the calmness of spirit for people to come and do business with you. So, Lord, we dedicate these next Uh, these next few few minutes to you. God, have your way during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and you come right now while we sing.